The sports world keeps spinning, and the local conversation continues. Now, Hacker After Dark on 1010XL. And a very good Friday evening to you, Jacksonville. It is Hacker After Dark, in for Baloo here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM with Dylan Denmark. The Hacker Ryan Green with you. Glad you are with us to close out the week. We're with you until 8 o'clock. Boy, we got a lot to get into tonight from the Jacksonville Jaguars making a little bit of roster news today. First thing we've seen, really, in the last 34 days since the season ended to a little NFL at large, the Combine next week. Of course, free agency starts in two and a half weeks. We got baseball. Yeah, believe it or not, we got baseball to get into. Something very interesting happened today in the world of Major League Baseball that I want to discuss, and I also want to get in to Anthony Richardson at the Combine next week. The most polarizing figure there. That's what people are saying as Anthony Richardson will make his way to Indianapolis. Guest lineup looks like this. Coming up in about 20 minutes, Ryan Davis, former Jacksonville Jaguar defensive end. He now is coaching defensive lineman at Reigns High School. He also was up in Indianapolis this week for the NFL and NCAA Coaching Academy. We'll talk with former Jaguar Ryan Davis about that, about getting into the world of coaching, and he stays very up-to-date on the Jaguars. If you follow Ryan on social media, he is a Jaguar fan through and through. We'll get his thoughts about what the Jaguars should do going in to free agency coming up at about 6.45. Cody Benjamin, CBSSports.com. We'll look around the AFC South. We'll look around the National Football League at the big pressing issues heading in to the Combine next week. In the 7 o'clock hour, my man Andrew Gibson's got a brand new radio show starting Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Here on 1010XL, River City Hardball. I'll talk to Gibby about that new show and what you can look forward to one Sunday a month now during the baseball season. And finally, we'll end it at the bottom of the 7 o'clock hour with Josh Edwards, National Football League writer for CBS Sports. He's one of their main draft guys. We'll preview the NFL scouting combine with Josh Edwards. So we got a lot to do. We're glad you're with us. As always, we kick it off with a big deal of the night and Dylan Denmark. Let's do that right now. Time now for the big deal of the night. What's the big deal? What is the big deal? It is a big deal. On Hacker After Dark. Today, the Jacksonville Jaguars did something with the roster for the first time in 34 days. 34 days ago is when the season ended at Arrowhead in Kansas City, Missouri. 32 days ago, the Jaguars cleaned out their locker and hit the trails for the offseason. We've talked time and time again about Jawan Taylor, Evan Ingram, Arden Key. Those conversations will continue leading into free agency on Monday, March the 13th. We also know guys like Andrew Wingard, Chris Manhurts, Dan Arnold, Marvin Jones, Adam Gostas are also free agents to be. Another guy that was set to become a free agent in 17 days was C.J. Beathard, the backup quarterback. Not anymore. The Jaguars re-signed C.J. Beathard this afternoon to a two-year deal. He will be back uh, with Trevor Lawrence in that quarterback room. And the Jaguars essentially signed somebody today. 
that, no offense to C.J. Beathard, but you hope you never see in a regular season game that is in any question. Maybe you see him in some mop-up duty. But why was it important to sign C.J. Beathard? Well, it's very, very easy to figure that out. You want Trevor Lawrence in familiar surroundings. You want Trevor Lawrence to be surrounded by those he is familiar with, surrounded by those he is comfortable with, and surrounded by those that will help him prosper. All indications are Bethard and Lawrence have a great relationship. They work with each other every day in that quarterback room. So you wanted to keep C.J. Bethard around for the familiarity, the friendship, and you could have a lot worse options as a backup quarterback than C.J. Bethard. So it's a good signing all the way around for the Jaguars. That now means Doug Peterson is back as his head coach. That now means Press Taylor is back as his offensive coordinator. That now means Mike McCoy is back as the quarterback coach. And that now means C.J. Beathard is back as Trevor Lawrence's backup. The only guy you've lost this offseason is Jim Bob Cooter. And again, they officially announced the hire of Nick Holes yesterday, the offensive coordinator from UNLV. We went out to Las Vegas earlier in the week and got some information on Nick Holes with our friends out in Vegas. Don't know a ton about him, but I'll be uh, very curious to learn more as we get deeper into the offseason. Make Trevor as comfortable as possible. Keep everything status quo as much as you can. And that's why, to me, signing C.J. Beathard today, very good move by general manager Trent Baalke and a very good move by the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's the first domino to fall, albeit a smaller domino. I know that we all want to know what the future is for Arden Key, Evan Ingram, Jawan Taylor, etc. But the Jaguars did only have 12 unrestricted free agents set to hit the market on Monday, March 13th. One of those 12 re-signed today with quarterback C.J. Beathard. Speaking of quarterbacks... Next week, Indianapolis, the scouting combine. Anthony Richardson, the Gator quarterback, will be up there. And boy, oh boy, is that going to be must-see TV. I will tell you that we did a Gator Bites podcast yesterday, myself and Denny Thompson. Denny, of course, was six points quarterback training here in town. Denny is essentially the quarterback coach right now for Anthony Richardson. He's going to be up at Indy with Anthony next week, and Denny has said publicly now that wherever Anthony gets drafted, he's going to go up there after the draft for a month or so to get Anthony comfortable in his new hometown. Uh, Anthony will throw at the Combine. Denny mentioned that on the podcast yesterday. I don't know if it's official what Bryce Young and Will Levis and C.J. Stroud are going to do, but Anthony apparently is going to do all the throwing drills next week in Indianapolis. And you can already tell that Anthony Richardson is coming up mock draft boards. A lot of conversation <clears throat> that teams have him now as the second best quarterback in the draft behind Bryce Young. And I got to tell you something, it's going to be staggering next week when you look at the dimensions of Anthony Richardson, uh, height, weight, etc., compared to the dimensions of most of the other quarterbacks up there. 
it'll be night and day. He will stand out just based on his physicality, based on how big he is at the quarterback position. I'm fascinated to see what Anthony Richardson's going to do. I'm excited for him. And again, we talked about this earlier in the week, the disconnect between those that cover college football and those that cover the NFL draft is staggering. It's absolutely staggering. I've had two people this week on Hacker After Dark tell me that are more familiar with the college game that they don't understand why Anthony Richardson is a projected first-round pick. They don't understand why scouts drool over him. And on the flip side, I've had NFL draft guys this week on Hacker After Dark say literally the exact opposite. Not using the term generational, but getting pretty close to that. Saying no-brainer, top 15, possibly top 10. The guy is who you want representing your team. So somebody's going to be very wrong. The college football pile or the NFL draft pile. The NFL draft loves the height, the weight, the arm strength, right? And anybody that drafts Anthony Richardson believes they can mold him and work with him and turn him in to something they see in their image. I guess the college guys, the media, et cetera, maybe don't feel that way. So again, a definite differing of opinion on Anthony Richardson. The conversation will continue long after the NFL combine next week, but it will be very interesting to see what Anthony Richardson does throwing the ball, 40-yard dash, vertical jump, etc. next week at the Combine in Indianapolis. And finally, kind of got three big deals of the night. This one just kind of struck me. Um, I am not the biggest baseball fan. Goodness knows we have enough baseball uh, folks on this station to keep your uh, baseball hunger conquered, right? I mean, our two morning guys, Prosser and Hicken, are big baseball guys. Tony Smith's a big baseball guy. Dempsey was back in the day. I don't really talk baseball with him anymore, but I would still assume that he's a pretty big New York Yankee guy. Um, good heavens. I mean, Frangi and Andrew Gibson, JJ. I mean, you just keep going. Cowart, all huge, huge baseball fans. Baseball is just not my thing. I watch it. I can speak intelligently about it at times, and I do enjoy drinking cold beer at ballparks. So if that makes me a baseball fan, then I'm a diehard baseball fan. I've often said I don't understand the hate for Tropicana Field. You never get a sunburn. It's 72 degrees, and the beer's cold. I love Tropicana Field. It's phenomenal down in the St. Petersburg area. I understand the baseball purists that don't like it, but again, I'm not a baseball purist. Having said that, can you believe there were two Cactus League games today? Two spring training games out in Arizona. There's a full slate of spring training games tomorrow, both in Arizona and here in Florida. Why do I bring this up? Because the debut of a couple of things today. The pitching clock made its debut today, and the clock that batters have to get in the box made a debut today. In fact, I believe Manny Machado of the Padres started his at-bat 0-1 because he did not get in the batter's box quick enough, according to the clock. To me, the more interesting thing was the pitchers. They have a 15-second clock, which is essentially now like a shot clock in basketball or 
like a play clock in the NFL that's right behind the batter. And they have 15 seconds from the time the catcher throws the ball back to them to get into their windup and get ready to go. What will it mean for baseball? I don't know. It's a very, very small sample size. But the two spring training games today out in Arizona, one lasted two hours and 29 minutes. The other lasted two hours and 33 minutes. That is night and day compared to the three-hour and 15 and three-hour and 20-minute games we're normally seeing. If the pitching clock carves 30 to 40 minutes off of these games, that's enormous for me. Again, not being the biggest baseball fan, but if a game starts at 7 o'clock and I don't have to stay up to 10.30 to watch the conclusion, if I can watch the conclusion at 9.15 or 9.30 and it's two and a half hours instead of three hours and 20 minutes, boy, that's big. That's big. Now, again, I don't know the baseball historians. I'm sure you guys, it's going to take a while to get used to this. Frangi is probably one of the guys to talk to about this. Does he like the pitching clock? For me, who really doesn't have a dog in the fight, I just enjoy sports, even though I would have Major League Baseball probably fifth or sixth on my tiers of sports that I enjoy. The fact that that game was two hours and 29 minutes today got my attention. There's highlights of it. Again, I'm assuming most people here did not dedicate time today to watch the Mariners and the Padres and the Cactus League. That would be an assumption on my part for the folks here in Jacksonville. But there's about a minute or two-minute piece of video making its way online where the Seattle pitcher threw the ball like four times in the span of a minute and 15 seconds because of the pitching clock. Now, I'd, I was not alive, right? Or I guess I might have been alive, but I really did not comprehend sports when the shot clock came into equation in basketball. I was really not caring, quite frankly, when hockey made their overwhelming rule changes after the strike of 94 to try to get fans back. So we have not seen a drastic change in one of the four major sports like this in quite some time. I am curious, and if you want to hit me up on the text line, 641-1010, designed by Lifetime Enclosures, if you are the person I'm talking to, the diehard, or even not a diehard, but a passionate baseball person, a baseball historian, whatever you want to call it, what do you think of the pitching clock? Because me, an observer from the outside, you shave 40 minutes off a baseball game, that makes me a lot more inclined to watch a majority of that game, knowing I'm not going to have to sit through a three-hour and 20-minute marathon. I've seen I've seen reviews online. I've seen people voicing their opinions online. Some seem to like it. Some seem to have issue with it. But isn't that the way the world goes around? Not everybody's going to be happy. Not everybody's going to be upset. There's got to be a meeting ground, and we'll see what people think. Again, two spring training games. You'll see it much more prevalent tomorrow. If you want to take some time to watch some of these games tomorrow, you watch the pitching clock, report back to me on Monday, and let me know what you think, and we'll see if they continue to shave 30 to 40 minutes off the length of these games. With Dylan Denmark, the Hacker Ryan Green with you, a Friday night edition of Hacker After Dark here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Coming up next... 
Former Jacksonville Jaguar defensive end Ryan Davis spent four years in a Jaguar uniform. I want to talk to Ryan about the direction of the team. What's going on now with impending free agents? Ryan lived that life. He was a free agent. We're two and a half weeks out. What are the conversations like? Players, agents, teams. What is going on two weeks and change away from free agency? And Ryan was in Indianapolis this week as part of the NFL and NCAA's coaching academy. The Jaguars sent him up there. I want to talk to Ryan about that experience as well. Former Jaguar Ryan Davis next to kick it off here on a Friday night here in Jacksonville, Florida. It's Hacker After Dark. No. Another interview on the Farrah and Farrah phone line brought to you by the accident attorneys at Farrah and Farrah. Back here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM in the city of Jacksonville. We are glad you are with us. We are three weeks away from NFL free agency. The combine is next week as the offseason is really beginning to heat up and a lot of questions for the Jaguars moving forward. Let's talk to a guy that knows all about the NFL life. He played many years in the National Football League, including his first four years right here in a Jaguar uniform that is former Jaguar defensive end Ryan Davis, who's always kind enough to join us here on 1010XL. Ryan, it's been a while, man. How are you? It's been a while. I'm all right, man. I can't complain. How about yourself? Ryan, we're good, man. Thank you for the time. As a guy that wore that Jaguar uniform for four seasons during your career, how much fun was last year watching the Jaguars accomplish what they did? Oh, it was a ton of fun, man. It's, I mean, you couldn't expect, you know, uh, much more from a first year, uh, well, from the Jacks perspective, the first year coach and the turnaround of this team experience. Uh, it was amazing. I'm still kind of kicking myself for not uh, getting to that playoff game. Man. I know it was crazy in that. <laughs> it was, boy. Uh, the, the stadium was rocking not only for that game, but the Titan game the week yeah. prior. Ryan, yeah. they had, uh, you know, Doug Peterson, when he was hired a little over a year ago, used the word healing. This team yeah. had healing to go through after the fiasco that was Urban Meyer. I mean, you played right. for a lot of teams in the NFL. Can you speak mm-hmm. to just the job that Doug Peterson did here in year number one? I mean, he did a tremendous job. I mean, the, the hardest part to me, uh, from my perspective, uh, of being a head coach, uh, probably be get, getting guys to to buy in to what, you, what you're teaching, you know what I'm saying? And guys kind of can know when you're full of it or when you're sincere and, and, and really have their back. So I feel like he captured the locker room like, like, like this, you know what I'm saying? So for me, I think that was the best part of him coming and uh, really just capturing that locker room. And, 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 that, and that's in turn, you know, the guys bought in and, and we seen the results. It didn't all, it, it started off a little rocky, but I mean, you could tell they just stayed with it, stayed the course and nobody panicked and, you know, it just took off. So, I mean, you can obviously see the confidence grow uh, with this team, and that's a testament to what uh, Peterson brought. Former Jaguar sure. defensive end Ryan Davis here with us on 1010XL in Jacksonville. Ryan, Trevor Lawrence, you saw the growth really at the middle yep. part of the year. I mean, September and October, was he lacking confidence? He wasn't playing very well. The London game, he'll admit, was a disaster against the Broncos. And I don't know, Ryan, what happened on that plane ride home, but in October, November, December, and obviously into January, boy, Trevor Lawrence was a different quarterback last year. Yeah, that's the Trevor that we've been, you know, waiting to see. You know, uh, 
and I think he's here to stay. You know, that's the guy that we've seen in college and throughout his high school career just take command and be confident and make the throws we know he's capable of making and just making plays, you know, getting guys involved. So I think, you know, with a young, great quarterback like him um, and, and his coaching staff, uh, man, I think, yeah, I think the sky's the limit, man. I'm excited, you know, about this offseason and, you know, what they got going on in the training camp for sure. Ryan, I want to ask you about some of the impending free agents in a moment, but you got a unique perspective. You were actually teammates with Tyler Shatley here in Jacksonville, and Shatley's been there forever, and he's been through loss (laughs) after loss after loss and head coach after head coach. I mean, how happy were you for a guy like Shatley who had been through all of that? He gets in last year replacing Ben Barch uh, Mm -hmm. after the injury and was a key component in what the Jaguars were able to do. Yeah, uh, definitely, man. Uh, I'm happy for him, man, because he's been there through the ups and downs, uh, fought his way, you know, uh, on the field for real. Um, I watched him grind. You know, me and him, we used to have some battles in practice ourselves. So for me to, to watch him, uh, you know, be one of the vet guys and, and getting these wins and be a part of something special like this, um, I'm happy for him, man. It's always a good thing to see guys uh, like him um, just prosper and, and continue to build on what they, uh, they started, you know, with the Jags. Former Jaguar defensive end Ryan Davis here with us on 1010XL in Jacksonville. Ryan, I got to ask you, Trayvon Walker in year mm-hmm. number one, you certainly know a little bit about that position there as an outside yeah. rush defensive end. What was your thoughts on Trayvon? I thought he played the run uh, well. Uh, I feel like I, th- I feel like he's a raw in his pass rush. I feel like, um, you know, honestly speaking, and once he gets that down and, and work hard in the offseason and just becomes more um, in tune with his hands and his feet and making sure they're tied together. Um, I think we're going to see a beast, um, you know, uh, if he if he can put it all together because he's got the long arms, he's strong at the point of attack. Um, he has that athletic ability to drop in coverage, get some, you know, interceptions and make, be disruptive. So he got all the tools that, you know, I mean, he went number one for a reason. He got all the tools and the potentials there. So I really can't wait for him to just – you know, turn it on and, and get the pass rush going and, and you know, really apply pressure like, you know, like we think he can. So I'm excited to see um, his maturation next year for sure. Ryan, same question about Josh Allen. The fan base gets, uh, I won't say confused, maybe a little frustrated because yeah, they see what I Josh did. Allen can do, like in that uh-huh. game against the Titans. But then mm-hmm. there'll be a month where you don't see much out of Josh Allen. Why do you think he said to this point, I would call it a pretty up and down career? Uh, honestly, you know, my honest opinion, I think uh, when uh, we got rid of, well, you know, when some guys left the squad along that D-line, you know, teams are kind of, okay, you know, more so planning more for Josh Allen a little more. Um, and um, so I feel like that kind of took away a little bit of his, uh, you know, his, uh, uh, well, I don't know what's the word for it, but I feel like, you know, getting, you know, some guys not being there really didn't help him you know what I'm saying so I think he needed that veteran presence along that line to when things are you know look a little different to him they can coach him through it and tell him what to do or run a few games to kind of get him open and you know get his confidence up or or what have you you know what I'm saying so for me you know all the tools are there um, but yeah I mean sometimes you just go through those stretches where you know you might not hit the quarterback and it's frustrating but just got to stay with it because you know like we know we like we all know when say in the D-line room um, sacks come in bunches, and these days, um, as long as you get a lot of pressures, you know you're you're good. <laughs> you get paid off of that. So, um, 
I think, you know, just with him, uh, I think just having his head down and keep rushing, he'll be fine. A couple of more for former Jaguar defensive end Ryan Davis. Ryan, you mentioned getting paid. Guys are going to get paid throughout the league yeah. here in the next three weeks with free agency. Ryan, mm-hmm. you've went through that. What's the process right now? You're three weeks out. How much communication is there with your agent, even though they're, quote, not supposed to be happening? We know there yeah. are backdoor, back-channel conversations happening. Yeah. <laughs> What's the process now three weeks out from free agency? Uh, Guys are just, you know, probably got right now guys are training and really you know trying to you know right as of now before their contract their new contracts are signed they're training and kind of playing it safe a little bit so they won't get hurt in training you know when they you know because sometimes guys will get nicked up and go in for a physical and the contract will be voided out so guys are probably you know maybe working out a little bit but nothing too extreme right now and the agents are they're definitely you know trying to get in position to you know, talk to whoever they know and, you know, doing all the agent stuff that they need to do to, you know, try to get their guys top dollar out there. So, um, yeah, I think that's right now, you know, we'll all see a heat up towards the, uh, towards the deadline or when it opens up officially. Um, and I think right today, I think the, uh, what opened up today? The the tags, franchise tag. Franchise tag. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, we'll see a little bit of it today with, um, you know, Lamar Jackson and, and, and Saquon Barkley type guys. So we'll, we'll see how it unfolds shortly. Ryan, there are three big players that are going to hit the market the Jaguar fans really want back here in Jacksonville. Let's talk about a guy that plays your position, Arden Key, signed a one-year mm-hmm. prove-it deal, and he did prove it. He was very good yeah. here. Uh, how yeah. vital is it, in your opinion, for the Jaguars to bring him back? Oh, I liked him a lot because I've seen – honestly, I've seen a lot of my game and his game, so I might be a little biased, but – Honestly speaking, um, I thought he was he was you know uh, key, <laughs> uh, not to be you know key or you know funny right there, but I thought he was key in the in the Jaguars' pass rush because he was a mismatch, especially when they lined him up at a three technique and let him you know rush. I felt like he was consistent uh, the most. You know the sack numbers, you know aren't there, but you know the pressure and just being in your face all day. He caused a lot of plays just by being in a QB's face. So. I think that's one guy we definitely need to uh, resign and get. Back. He's going to do nothing but help that uh, help that Jaguars front, especially in pass situations. Ryan, you played against a lot of offensive tackles in your career. What's your thought on yeah. Jawan Taylor as he gets ready to enter free agency? I feel like Taylor plays solid, man. Um, he, you know, you know, he's going to go out there and try to get his, his bread. You know, he has to do a due diligence, but you know, if the Jazz can make that happen and and bring him back. Uh, I think that'll be a good sign, a good good way to uh, keep that O line together. Because you know, for me, you know, I feel like a good O line is an O line that stays together and they know each other and they work well together. You know, so you get guys like that, you groom them. You might not have been all ups, you know, it might have been some ups and downs, but I feel like the Jags O line was very solid in, um, last year. Uh, underrated group, in my opinion, they kept Trevor upright um, a lot of a lot of a lot of games, especially down the stretch. So. Uh, I think he was key to that, so uh, we'll see how it goes. Former Jaguar defensive end Ryan Davis. Ryan, as we begin to wrap up, maybe the biggest one is Evan Ingram. Boy, what he did for that offense last year and for Trevor Lawrence. There's talk about potentially using the franchise tag on Evan Ingram. We'll see, but there appears to be mutual interest, Ryan. He wants to be back. He said that publicly. The team has said they want him back. Under those circumstances, you would have to think something will likely get done. Yeah, I hope so. I think that might be priority number one, in my opinion, because 
I mean, he, this was a career year for him, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, bring him back, pay him. You know, um, he wants to be back, and we I don't think the Jags have had a weapon at that position like him, you know, to be that fast and agile and to run after catch. Uh, yeah, we need that. It's a, he's a threat, and, and, you know, the more threats on the field with Trevor Lawrence and ETN and Jones and, you know, uh, and Kirk, man, it's going to be – it's going to be a – it's going to be a scary offense, you know, uh, moving forward, especially in this division. So I think they need to re-sign him ASAP. Hopefully they get something done. Um, you know, if he wants to tag or not, the tag will be used in place for them to sign something later. So who knows? Hey, Ryan, we know you're very active on social media. You love talking Jags. Tell Jaguar yeah. fans what you're up to these days as you're giving back to the game as now a assistant coach at one of the local high schools. Yeah, one of the best high schools in the state of Florida, Reigns High School. I'm D-line coach down there. Uh, we're coming off a nine and three year, I want to say. Uh, we were one game away from going to the state semis uh, last year. But, you know, we got a whole bunch of young talent. You know, we're looking to run the table this year. I'm excited uh, to get out there and coach some guys up. And, you know, hopefully we can make a, a deep, deep playoff run and, you know, and make it to the state title game this year. So. Yeah, that's what I'm doing right now, man. I'm active out there, man. Get putting on my coaching hat. Final moments here with former Jaguar defensive end Ryan Davis. Ryan, I also see as we wrap up here with you, you're on your way to Indianapolis for the NFL and NCAA Coaching Academy, man. We talked about the work you're doing there at Reigns High School. That must be yeah. very exciting heading up to Indianapolis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm actually here now. We've been here for like the last uh, couple of days. Um, but, yeah, it's very, very insightful. Uh, met a lot of great people, got to share some stories and just learn about different experiences. And, you know, I was pleased to know a lot of these guys, uh, women and men here, uh, going through the same things I'm going through with, you know, getting into coaching and, 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 um, and learning how to be a better coach and, and just advancing in this profession. So, um, it's been, a, it's been a pleasure. I'm glad the Jaguars, uh, tapped me to, uh, you know, be a part of this. And to that point, you know, what is the coaching academy for people that maybe aren't familiar with it? You being an up-and-coming coach in the profession, mm -hmm. you got a chance to go up there, do some networking, learn from some guys yeah. that have been doing it a lot longer. Is that the uh, is that the idea? Yeah, it's the, the gist of it is to you know get around, get out here. It's about fifty of us out here from all walks of uh, you know life, and it's about fifty of us from high school, college, NFL. And we'll sit in here and, and, and different coaches will come in or different, uh, you know, just people come in that's you know, in the business that come in and talk to us and share information, share knowledge and tell us what we need to do to be better coaches, better uh, people um, and just how to advance in this in this game. So and in, in, the, in the midst of that, you meet a lot of great people, you network, you pass out your business cards and you form relationships. And then uh, you never know how that can go down the line. You know, I could be in a position to call one of these people for a job or they could be in a position to call me for a job and continue it like that. So it's been a great experience, and um, that's basically what it is. Well, that's a cool deal, Ryan. Well, again, thank you for taking time out. Have a terrific weekend and safe travels home back to Jacksonville. Yes, yeah, sir. I appreciate you. Always appreciate Ryan Davis for joining us here on Hacker After Dark, 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Yeah, that's cool, man. The Jaguars sitting Ryan Davis up there, an up-and-coming coach there at Reigns High School, getting a chance to go to the NFL and the NCAA combined. It's a joint effort there, their coaching academy up in Indianapolis. Cody Benjamin, CBSSports.com, less than 10 minutes away. Again, we'll talk combine. We'll talk free agency. 
We'll spend some time on the division, right? A lot of turnover in the AFC South since the season ended for the Jaguars. Two brand-new head coaches, a brand-new general manager, all inside the AFC South. Denmark, how's this, too, for something? I saw this earlier. There will be, with um, Todd or with um, Nagy getting extended as the offensive coordinator in Kansas City today, Matt Nagy replacing Eric Bieniemy. of the 32 NFL teams... 16 of them will have new offensive coordinators in 2023. I've seen that. That's amazing, right? Yeah, it's almost like it's an offensive league now. Well, yeah, but half the league has turned over the offensive coordinator position. Of course, that does not apply here in Jacksonville with Press Taylor still at the reign. So, Cody Benjamin, CBSSports.com, less than 10 minutes away. I did want to mention this, kind of excited about this. My three-year-old... Little Hack does the show preview with me every night on social media. Really enjoys that opportunity. Daddy in Denmark is what he refers to the show as, Dylan. I'm sure you enjoy that as well. Yeah, my daddy a hot chick too. (laughs) Well, no. Very funny. No, 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 no. But, so, Little Hack, myself, my father-in-law, and a buddy, we're going to have a night out tomorrow night, a boys' night. At the Jacksonville Iceman game. Pretty excited about that. And I was thinking, you know, he's three years old. I believe this will be the first live sporting event that he's been to. Now, obviously, he's been to, like, Disney on Ice. And the kid, the kid's either going to love Disney World or hate Disney World. There's going to be no gray area because he's been to Disney World a lot. I mean, it's not as if we've kept him, you know occupied at the house. I mean, we get out, we do a lot of things. He's in the karate now. He's done soccer. He's done swimming, etc. But as far as an actual sporting event in an arena slash stadium, I'm pretty sure my man tomorrow is going to experience it for the first time down at the Jacksonville Iceman game. So if you're down there tomorrow, if you see us, be sure and say hello. Little Hack would certainly love to, to break it down with you. Denmark, you as a 25-year-old single and ready-to-mingle young man. Oh, yeah. Do you remember the first actual sporting event that you attended as a child? I think the first one I remember was Florida-Alabama 2006, and I was eight years old. I can't think of one before, and that was a pretty good one. The Reggie Nelson pick six game? It was, yep. That was your first – oh, I feel so It's the 100-year anniversary – I, I still got the ticket stub. Yeah. They wore those uh the old uniforms. Yeah. That Let me uh one. that was back in the days where I'd enjoyed more debauchery in my life. Yeah. Uh-huh. So Florida beat Alabama. That was also the night that Wake Forest beat Florida State thirty to nothing at Doak Campbell. Again, I I was not an objective broadcast journalist in two thousand six like I am now. Uh that was one of the greatest days of my life. Florida beating Alabama and Wake Forest beating Florida State by 30 at Doak Campbell Stadium. So, needless to say, I enjoyed myself that night. So, while you were eight years old attending your first sporting event. Enjoying my nachos. Enjoying your nachos. That would have made me 22, 23 years old just getting absolutely hammered out in Jacksonville Beach. That's the difference between us. Now, uh, you're doing much more of that than I am, believe me. But I I went back and I thought about it. The first sporting event I believe I attended that I can remember was Florida, Florida State, 1990. I had just turned seven. I might have gone to something before then, but, man, I don't remember it. The first one I remember, 
And I remember sitting at Doak Campbell Stadium. We lived in Tallahassee at the time, all excited to see Shane Matthews and Eric Rett and the Gators. And they come out there. Florida State goes on offense. And the second play of the game, Casey Weldon hit Lawrence Dossie for like a 75-yard touchdown. And the beating was on at that point. Florida State went on to win the game 45-30. It was not that close. But I was just enthralled by sports from that moment. And then I think I went to my first Orlando Magic game not long after that. So I think mine started at about the age of seven. So I guess Little Hack is getting kind of an early start. He's only three. He'll be four in May. So we're, I'm trying to do the off-season sporting events with him. We're going to take him to an Iceman game tomorrow, maybe a Jumbo Shrimp game, maybe an Arena Football League game later on this year. So kind of broaden his horizons a little bit. So, yeah, if you're going to the Iceman game tomorrow, hope you enjoy it. And if you see us, we'll be the one that says uh, Hacker on it. I'm all about the shameless self-promotion. Be sure and say hello. Cody Benjamin, CBSSports.com, talking combine, free agency, Jaguars, and all the change going on in the AFC South. That's next. Friday night, Jacksonville, Florida. It's Hacker After Dark. Now, another interview on the Farrah and Farrah phone line, brought to you by the accident attorneys at Farrah and Farrah. Back here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM in the city of Jacksonville, we are glad you are with us. We are inside of three weeks until NFL free agency. The Combine is next week, and the franchise tags can now be handed out all across the National Football League. With that, Cody Benjamin of CBS Sports, always kind enough to join us here on 1010XL in Jacksonville. Cody, how we doing, man? I'm doing well, Ryan. I appreciate you having me back on. Hey, Cody, always appreciate the time. You and I haven't chatted since the Jaguars went on that run at the end of last year. Cody, from your perspective, a guy that covers the league on a national basis, there was CBS Sports. What did you make of Doug Peterson, Trevor Lawrence, and what the Jaguars did about a month and a half ago? Yeah, I mean, I don't think you can call it anything, and I'm, I'm coming from the outside perspective, but I don't think you can call it anything but you know, an unequivocal success. I think that um, anyone, you know, in Jacksonville, I would imagine would have signed up for, you know, going into the season to know that you would not only make the playoffs, but advance in the playoffs, um, you know, with Doug Peterson's first year working with Trevor Lawrence, uh, first year with kind of the, the retooled roster. I mean, I think that's, that's more than you could have uh, hoped for. And um, I think that the playoff game that they won um, you know, the surprise, the comeback, the historic, uh, you know, performance to come back against the Chargers, kind of a microcosm of, of Trevor Lawrence's uh, young career that game. Um, the first half, you know, nothing was really going right. Uh, he obviously has got all the tools, but things just weren't clicking. You had those turnovers. And then the second half, everything clicked. And, and it was kind of like this year as a whole for, for the Jaguars. I think we, we finally got to see uh, Trevor Lawrence's skills translate to results. And again, the record, you know, it wasn't always pretty. They, they won against some, some, I guess, lesser than teams at the end of the year. But I think no matter what, uh, they've got momentum. Uh, they've, they've, the program has clearly shifted um, under Doug Peterson, and they showed a ton of fight. I mean, they put up a fight against the Chiefs, who obviously went on to win the Super Bowl. Um, I think it's only, you know, going up from here. 
especially as you add guys like Calvin Ridley and, and hopefully some other veterans uh, to the lineup. Cody, with the disaster that Urban Meyer was in 2021 and Doug Peterson coming in, not only did he have to improve the product on the field, he had to change the mindset in not only the locker room, but really the entire city of Jacksonville with that organization. I know Brian Dable won coach of the year, and at the end of the day, you know, I'm sure it doesn't really matter to Doug, but there were a lot of people here in Jacksonville that were, I guess, a little upset that Doug Peterson did not win that because, and, and I stand by this, I don't believe, Cody, that a coach came in amidst worse circumstances around the league and did a better job than what Doug Peterson did in 2022. What's your thought on that? Yeah, I think it's it's a fair argument. I think that this year, um, more, more than any other years, at least that I can remember recently, there were actually, you know, several legitimate coach of the year candidates. I mean, I, I think that, you know, Brian Dable, what he did with with Daniel Jones um, and, and a Giants roster that frankly was was also kind of, you know, they were kind of cap strapped. They didn't do a whole lot to improve that roster. And so what he did in New York, uh, similarly, I think, kind of turned the program around. I mean, the, the Joe Judge led regime. I mean, they, they have had so much organizational turnover there as well. So. Um, but I, I, you know, I, I see your point as well. I think that Doug Peterson would have been just as fair of a winner there at coach of the year. Um, and yeah, like you said, I mean, it's, it's an attitude shift and I know it, it's so much of this is kind of um, it's hard to measure, you know, when we're talking about culture and just the community and the atmosphere of a team, but you could see it. And I think that, you know, I wasn't inside the urban Meyer locker room, but, I think everyone gets the sense and the players have attested to this that, you know, when Urban Meyer came in, even though he was coming from the college ranks, he was coming in as a guy who had his way of doing things, had his philosophies, and, and those weren't really going to change. I mean, this was the guy coming in that he knew exactly the program he wanted to try and build. It didn't work. Doug Peterson, on the other hand, it's not that he didn't come in with a plan. It's just his his approach. Uh, as a as a former backup quarterback, as a guy who always connected with the locker room in Philadelphia, who always rallied teams at the end of the year, um, he's a guy that is just going to naturally more organically incorporate the player perspective. And so, um, yeah, I think that empowers your franchise franchise quarterback. It empowers the young guys on the roster. Um, certainly, uh, Doug Peterson deserves praise for what he did his first year. Cody Benjamin, CBSSports.com, here with us on 1010XL in Jacksonville. Cody, rewind the clock back about a year, and uh, boy, Trent Baalke was getting annihilated, not only nationally, but even here locally, for the way the season ended in 2021, but then just spending gobs of money on Christian Kirk and Zay Jones and Foye Oluwakin and Brandon Scherf and go on down the line. And Cody, now here we are in February of 2023, and I'm not sure they were eight grand slam signings, but yeah. he got on base with all eight of them. You look at the eight free agents they brought in last year, particularly on offense with Ingram and Kirk and Jones and Sheriff, and then the defensive guys, Arden Key, Darius Williams, Fadakasi, and Aluakin. Boy, the job that Trent Baalke did a year ago also really turned this program around. Yeah, I do think he's probably not getting enough credit for his hand in this um, because – Primarily because, uh, you know, the, the verdict on the jury was out on um, Trent Baalke before this season that, you know, most people, um, I don't know how it was, you know, the sentiment was primarily in Jacksonville, but I think most people on the outside were 
you know, surprised that he was sticking, maybe upset that he was sticking around, disappointed. And yet, yeah, I think I think this offseason is is going to be critical because, you know, last year was so much money to spend. Um, even if they missed on a couple, like they were bound, like you would have had to try really hard not to improve that roster. Right. And so you spend so much money on Christian Kirk and maybe he's not, uh, you know, an alpha number one receiver like an A.J. Brown or, a, you know, a Jamar Chase. But he improved um, Trevor Lawrence. He helped the passing game. Uh, same with Evan Ingram. Same with, you know, all the other guys you mentioned. I mean, it's they were bound to improve. Now, I think that the critical next step is, you know, can you make uh, substantial upgrades, uh, whether it's on the margins at little spots um, or with just a single splash addition. And Calvin Ridley, you know, he may qualify as that, you know, when he comes back and if he's in full form, you know, that's a, that's a huge addition. Um, so yeah, I think Trent Baalke does deserve credit. Um, I think so much of our focus went rightfully so to the coach because of how, how poorly, you know, Urban Meyer performed and then how strongly Doug Peterson did. But yeah, this is going to be a big off season, I think, to try and make that next leap and, and make them a, a surefire uh, playoff contender. Cody, let's look at the offseason. Again, Cody Benjamin, CBSSports.com. It really stops and starts with two guys that are scheduled to be free agents on Monday, March 13th, Evan Ingram and Jawan Taylor. Uh, your thoughts first on Evan Ingram. He signed a one-year, one of those prove-it deals last year, and man alive, did he prove it here in Jacksonville. Is it vital, Cody, the Jaguars find a way to bring him back? You know, I... Well, I think it's vital that they have, if it's not Evan Ingram, that it's someone else who's going to, you know, match his production from last year. I think that, you know, last offseason when we were previewing free agency, one of the guys that I, I thought that the Jaguars would be in on um, just because of Doug Peterson's track record of utilizing the tight end. You know, he did it with with Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard in Philadelphia uh, was Dalton Schultz of the Cowboys. Now, he ended up sticking around in Dallas for a year. Um, I didn't. You know, at the time, I didn't necessarily love the Evan Ingram gamble. I mean, surely it was a, it was a low risk, high reward. And he he produced uh, much more consistently than he did in New York. Um, and so it wouldn't be it wouldn't be wrong to bring him back. That's for sure. But I think there are other options if, um, you know, if the market just plays out a way that they're not expecting. I mean, Mike Gusecki from Miami, Dalton Schultz um, from the Cowboys. I mean, those guys, they're going to cost money. But I think they are equal, if not greater, you know, pass catching weapons at that position. So no matter what, I think, you know, even with Calvin Ridley set to come back, I think you you need to invest. I mean, that's that's the job when you have a franchise quarterback is to surround him with talent. And so I think whether it's receiver or tight end, there has to be an investment or resigning. The Jawan Taylor one is interesting, Cody. The guy's played four years in the league. I don't think he's ever missed a start. Uh, it's weird because some guys love Jawan Taylor and then some analytic websites will say that he's not very good when you crunch the numbers. But at the end of the day, he's 25, 26 years old, has a ton of starts under his belt, is coming into the prime of his career. And the Jaguars also have to think about the fact that Trevor Lawrence is coming up for a new deal soon. And they still have Walker Little on the roster, which hypothetically he could step in and replace Jawan Taylor. So they got a lot to figure out here over the next two and a half weeks when it comes to Jawan Taylor. Yeah, I mean, and, and you know, I mentioned, I guess when you have a franchise quarterback, you want to surround him with weapons, but probably the, the first priority even before that is you got to keep him upright. You got to invest in the trenches. Um, and, and we saw, 
you know, in just this, this past Super Bowl, um, you know, how much offensive line uh, stability just plays into it. And so, yeah, that's, that's a case, you know, just kind of like Evan Ingram, I think it's a case of, you know, do you want to wait and see what the market says about the guy um, before you make a big decision? I mean, certainly you don't want to mess around and go into the season having uh, no certainty about this. There's a guy you're rolling out at tackle, but ideally, like you said, um, you know, even though he's going into his prime, ideally, you know, does he, does he project more long-term as, you know, you, you'd love to have uh, even more of an all pro uh, bookend and have him as like a top swing tackle. I, you know, I don't know if that's possible. I mean, in the market today, um, people are going to pay for even uh, competent tackle play. And so um, it's going to be a big decision for him. A couple of more for Cody Benjamin, CBSSports.com. Cody, you look at the AFC South. Boy, a lot's changed in the last month. You got a new GM in Tennessee and Rand Carthon, a couple of brand new head coaches. D'Amico Ryan's in Houston, and then Shane Steichen within Indianapolis. So who would have ever thought six months ago that in February of 2023, the Jaguars would be by far and away the most stable franchise in the division? That's apparently where we've landed. What's been your thought on Ryan's, on Steichen, on what Tennessee has done, on everything that's transpired in this division as of late? Yeah, I think the key for um, you know, the, the reason Jacksonville is the favorite right now is, you know, we I guess the two areas of a team that get the most attention, coach and quarterback. And we saw last year the Jaguars appear to have both of those in place. And whereas the other teams, I think there's there's so much more in flux. Um, you know, Houston, um, you know, D'Amico Ryans, after two years of kind of these stopgap, you know, older coaches who just, who seemed destined to be there for no more than a year. Um, good for them I, for, for investing in a longer term solution, hopefully at, at uh, head coach. Uh, the key there is, I mean, again, it's, it's quarterback. I mean, are they going to end up with the guy they want up top? Are they going to be able to finally invest in a supporting cast for him? Because for two years now um, they've used all their, you know, they've had plenty of money to spend. They've used it to give Davis Mills, you know, free agent leftovers. And so um, be interested to see what D'Amico Ryans does there. I mean, we know he can coach a defense. The question really is who's the quarterback and how's that offense going to be structured? Um, Indianapolis, I, I like the Shane Steichen hire. I think he's an adaptable play caller. He showed that in Philadelphia. Once again, comes down to quarterback. They've been on the carousel for, you know, how many years now? Um, they're they're well positioned to draft a quarterback. They've still got keys, uh, pieces on defense, Jonathan Taylor, Michael Pittman. I mean, that's a team where, um, you know, you pair Shane Steichen with like, let's say CJ Stroud. Um, I mean, that, that's a team that could, you know, be a spoiler, be, you know, a competition for the Jags right out of the gate, Tennessee. I mean, they are a wild card to me, you know, under Mike Vrabel, they've, they've always found a way to stay in the mix. Um, they, I think they are better suited kind of overhauling the roster, you know, Ryan Tannehill, Derrick Henry, those are big names that helped them to playoff runs. But I think that both of those guys uh, will or should be shopped. Um, I think Ryan Tannehill is a candidate to be cut if he's not traded. Um, and I don't know that Malik Willis is, you know, we, I don't think they know either if he's the answer. So that's another team that could be in the market for a new quarterback. Um, so again, if you're a Jags fan, you'd be happy that, you know, Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence are, are in there and in place. Cody, final question, about 90 seconds to go. You wrote a piece on CBSSports.com about the free agent market. 
at quarterback. Clearly, there's a lot of names already. We know about Derek Carr, Jimmy Garoppolo. You mentioned maybe Ryan Tannehill. And then there's the two big ones that we still don't know about. Aaron Rodgers, I believe he's out of darkness now, if if memory yeah. serves. So maybe he's going to figure out what he's doing here in the next week or two. And then Lamar Jackson is actually set to become a free agent. That obviously won't happen. But will he be franchised and then maybe traded? Boy, a lot of uncertainty as a quarterback carousel is really going to start heating up. Yeah, I mean, it's always, um, you know, we, we give the quarterbacks, it's the same thing, you know, during the season. We give them too much credit when they win. We give them too much uh, flack when, when their teams lose. And, I mean, that's because they, they touch the ball every play. We all care about the quarterbacks. It's the most important position. And it's the same in the offseason. I mean, the the market really starts um, with them. And I think that the big names really dictate how the market shapes out for guys like, you know, Geno Smith, Daniel Jones, Jimmy Garoppolo, the, the mid-tier guys. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the first domino to fall is is probably Aaron Rodgers. Um, and, and that's I, – I don't think it's just up to him. I mean, certainly if he wants to walk away, that's on him. But if he wants to stay, that's when it gets really interesting because, you know, all indications are that Green Bay would probably prefer to move on, would probably prefer – to say, hey, we're, we're coming off a down year. We don't have a ton of money. We need to rebuild at multiple spots. This is the time to collect some picks, to see what we have in Jordan Love. I mean, it, it really just it makes sense. Um, even if you're, you're the biggest Aaron Rodgers fan in the world, it really does make sense um, for now to be a split. The question is, does Aaron Rodgers, is that truly what he wants to do? Um, would he rather walk away rather than relearn a new system in a new city? And then after that, yeah, Lamar Jackson, uh, that's the biggest probably X factor at the quarterback position because, you know, I don't know that anyone really knows right now. I mean, certainly he and the Ravens say publicly they'd love to stay together. I wouldn't be surprised if they get a long-term deal done at some point. I, I wouldn't be surprised equally um, if he was moved um, to a team that we might not even be talking about right now because if he's available – um, either through a trade or if they do the non-exclusive tag and other teams can negotiate, I mean, at least 12 to 15 teams are going to be checking in on that. And so we'll see where it goes. Cody Benjamin, CBSSports.com. The Super Bowl just happened, and already the NFL offseason franchise tag window has opened. The combine next week, and we are inside of three weeks until NFL free agency. Cody, know you're busy this time of year, man. Thank you as always. We'll talk again soon. Thanks so much, Ryan. Appreciate it. Hacker After Dark on 1010XL. 7 o'clock hour has arrived. We're with you till 8 o'clock. 1010XL, 92.5 FM in for blue tonight. It is Hacker After Dark. You can always stream the show. Nightly on YouTube and Twitter. Check us out on YouTube. Just search 1010XL. You'll see Hacker After Dark there until 8 o'clock tonight. Likewise on Twitter. At 1010XL on Twitter, you'll see the show there that you can watch until 8 o'clock this evening. You know, we mentioned C.J. Beathard getting re-signed by the Jacksonville Jaguars. Kind of the first domino to fall not the biggest domino not the Evan Ingram Jawan Taylor Arden Key domino but the Jaguars only had 12 unrestricted free agents coming into this they now have 11 as they re-sign CJ Beathard uh we have 11 hacker after darks until free agency on Monday March the 13th so 
we'll go one a night to kind of give you uh, a take on, on should they re-sign this guy, should they not. We'll go longer on some than on others. Tonight, Adam Gotstis is who we landed on. I think you resign Adam Gotstis. I think the money needs to make sense. Obviously, I'm not going to overpay. But I saw 96 around the ball an awful lot last year. For a guy that doesn't cost very much, is he ever going to be a superstar? No. Is he ever going to be a pro bowler? Of course not. Just a good football player, man. Jaguars are lacking bodies on the interior defensive line, really the D-line as a whole. You know, I made this point last night, right? You look at your free agents, Corey Peters, Adam Gotstis, Dewan Smoot, Arden Key, and there's talk you may have to cut Roy Robertson-Harris for salary reasons. Well, that's not going to work. You already have a lack of bodies there to begin with. You got to resign some of these guys. Arden Key's the big one. Can you keep Roy Robertson-Harris? That's another big one. But an Adam Gostas-type player is a guy you want on your roster. He's a good football player. He makes plays, and he doesn't cost you very much. Let's be honest. So they need to me to find a way to re-sign Adam Gostas. I think it would be unfortunate if a guy like Gostas were to leave in free agency. The way he played last year, though, it would not surprise me if he got a look from several teams on the open market. So uh, we'll see. But to me, I mean, is it vital they re-sign him? No. I'm not going to that conclusion. But if my option was have him leave or the Jaguars re-sign him, I want the Jaguars to re-sign Adam Gostas. There is absolutely no question about that. Andrew Gibson coming up in less than 10 minutes. He's got a brand new uh, show debuting Sunday morning here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM River City Hardball. We'll let Gibby tell you all about that Sunday morning, 11 a.m. to noon. Josh Edwards, CBSSports.com, previewing the NFL Combine. The Combine is next week. That is just hard to believe. Josh Edwards, CBSSports.com. He is coming up in less than 25 minutes. With Dylan Denmark, the Hacker Ryan Green with you, a Friday night edition of Hacker After Dark. We're glad you're with us. It's 1010XL. It's 92.5 FM. Let's talk a little baseball and preview a brand new show that hits the airwaves Sunday morning with my man Andrew Gibson. That's next on Hacker After Dark. Back here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM in the city of Jacksonville. We are glad you are with us. We have a brand new show debuting this weekend here on 1010XL. Well, kind of, actually. It started out as a podcast, but now works its way onto the radio station. Let's bring in my friend Andrew Gibson. You hear him every afternoon on the Franzi Show. You also hear him with me during the high school football season under the Friday Night Lights. Gibby, how we doing, man? Doing well, man. I appreciate you having me on uh, tonight on your show. It's uh, it's an exciting time. Baseball season's here, and I'm excited about this new show. Yeah, look, your new show debuts Sunday at 11 a.m. Give us a little background. This started as a podcast that now makes its way onto the radio station. So this did start as a podcast. It's called River City Hardball. I started this right when the pandemic started. Uh, I remember going to a spring training game, as you know, and you guys most know, most of you know that I'm a diehard baseball guy, and I wanted to try to uh, dive into local baseball here in Jacksonville. And I went to spring training one time, 
and I saw the Braves host the Baltimore Orioles, and Austin Hayes was playing in the outfield for the Orioles that, that day and, and batting leadoff against the Braves. And, you know, he went to JU, and I just went to the Orioles PR staff, and I said, uh, I'm Andrew Gibson from Jacksonville with 1010XL. I'd like to see if I can have a few minutes with Austin Hayes. He played college ball in Jacksonville. So I was able to go get Austin Hayes in the outfield uh, shag and fly balls before a spring training game. He came to me full uniform, sunglasses on. Uh, we talked for five minutes. Uh, and then I thought to myself, what if I turn this into something? So that turned into a podcast for a couple of years. And then now I've got the opportunity. Thank you to Steve Griffin and my sponsor, DBAT Jacksonville. Uh, now it's going to be a radio show. And the first show we're going to have is Sunday morning, as you said, 11 o'clock on Sunday morning. And I'm going to have Brett Myers. Brett Myers out of Inglewood in Jacksonville. A first-round pick of the Phillies in 1999. He won the state championship at Inglewood with Coach Mike Boswell. And then he went on to go for a 12-year Major League career, won the 2008 World Series with Philadelphia. So Brett's going to join me for about 15, 20 minutes on Sunday morning to start things off. Andrew Gibson every afternoon on the Frangie Show. And now on Sunday at 11 a.m. this weekend, you can catch him hosting River City Hardball. Gibby, uh, look, you are an encyclopedia when it comes to baseball. Once baseball season rolls around, you know I'll have you on because you love the game. And and the city of Jacksonville and what your show is, it's, it's a local flavor, right? You mentioned the colleges here, the high schools, the all the former professional baseball players here, like a Brett Myers. I think a show like this on the radio is long overdue, and there's all kinds of possibilities with this thing. Yeah, there really is. There's there's so much talent that's come through Jacksonville, and Brett and I are going to talk about that. Just so many guys that you may not even realize that that played in Jacksonville or came through here. Of course, Chipper Jones played at the Bowl School. I absolutely love to get Chipper on. At the, that's something I'm definitely going to work on in the future for sure. But you know, Brett actually mentioned to me somebody the other day, Darren O'Day. Well, I pitched at Bishop Kinney, went to Florida, had a good career, and then pitched 15 years in the big leagues and just recently retired. He threw out the first pitch the other night for the Florida Gator baseball game. And there's a guy right there, Darren O'Day, 15 years in the big leagues, a guy that came out of Jacksonville. And so, yeah, we're going to give the local flavor high school, college pro every single time we do it. It's going to be a monthly show to start out. Our first show is February uh, this, this Sunday at 11 a.m. The next one's going to be on March 5th. And then we're going to go from there, April and May. And it's going to end in May uh, because that's when the regular season for high school and college end. And so we'll start back up uh, next season. But I'm hoping to get, uh, you know, a bunch of coaches, a bunch of players on. Uh, I'm definitely targeting uh, Bartram Trails head coach Ryan Fitzpatrick is supposed to join us on Sunday, along with uh, Skylar Sanford, who's a six foot six pitcher, who's a junior at Bartram Trail, who throws about 96 and uh, he's uh, he's committed to go to Florida. So Skyler, hopefully he's going to join us on Sunday morning as well. And so we will get a lot of local flavor here on the on the radio station with baseball. Final moments here with Andrew Gibson. You can catch him Sunday at 11 a.m. with River City Hardball. Yeah, Gibby, I was telling you earlier this week back in high school at Wolfson, I had gym class with two guys named Eric Hurley and Billy Butler who were a yeah. year behind me who would go on to be first-round draft picks in Major League Baseball. And in Billy's case, he played over a decade in the league and made an all-star game uh, with the Kansas City Royals. So there is just a ton of talent 
on the big league uh, diamond that has come out here of the city of Jacksonville. All right, one more time, 11 a.m. It's going to be one time a month. It debuts this Sunday on 1010XL and 92.5 FM, and you're coming right out of the gate Sunday morning with Brett Myers. What can people expect when they tune in on Sunday? Well, you're going to hear a lot of Brett's uh, history about winning the state championship in 1999, what that team was like, uh, who was on the team, who were the coaches, what was that experience like winning a state championship, uh, being a first-round draft pick. I mean, not too many people walking the earth have been a first-round draft pick in any sport, let alone how tough it is to do it in Major League Baseball. He was the 12th overall pick in the 1999 draft, and he came right out of Jacksonville. He won that title there. He pitched 12 years in the big leagues and then won a World Series in 2008 with the Phillies. So we're going to talk a lot about local baseball with Brett Myers. You know, one thing he was telling me offline, Hack, is that when he was playing high school baseball, he was one of very few guys that could hit 90, that could touch 90 miles an hour. Now, Brett probably threw 95, 96 when he got to the big leagues, but there were very few pitchers at that time in the 90s, early 2000s that threw 90. Brett was telling me off the air, it is insane how many guys right now in Jacksonville and high school baseball and all over, all over the country, but we're covering Jacksonville, that throw 90 miles an hour. And he said the, the talent in Jacksonville is just insane, uh, according to Brett Myers. And that's a big part of why we're doing this radio show. Uh, thanks again to DBAT Jacksonville. Uh, check them out on Powers Avenue over there near Wolfson High School. Uh, they're the premier baseball and softball facility in Jacksonville. If you want to go hit, you want to do anything related to baseball or softball, they've got a 20,000-square-foot facility that is state-of-the-art. It's fantastic over there on Powers Avenue. Check out dbatjacks.com. Thanks again to those guys for sponsoring this local baseball show here on 1010XL. Yeah, the host of River City Hardball, Andrew Gibson, Sunday morning at 11 a.m. here on 1010XL, the debut broadcast. Gibby, have fun with it, man. I know you're going to enjoy it. We'll be listening. Have a fantastic weekend. Fired up for it, man. Thank you for having me. Back here on 1010XL at 92.5 FM in the city of Jacksonville, we are glad you are with us. The Super Bowl is only a little over a week removed, but my goodness, the scouting combine is uh, what next week, and NFL free agency is now inside of three weeks. With that, Josh Edwards, CBSSports.com. He's one of our guys when it comes to the draft and offseason talk here on 1010XL. Josh, it's been a little while, man. Hope all's been well with you. Things have been going well. Uh, just excited for the next couple of months, kind of dive into not only the draft, which is what we normally talk about, but like you mentioned, free agency as well, uh, trying to break down the fits that we see uh, as these teams look to fill out their rosters. You know, Josh, it's interesting. I went back and looked. The last time we talked was around Thanksgiving, and the Jaguars looked like they were destined for another top 10 pick. And then all of a sudden, they rattled off six wins in a row and gave Kansas City all they wanted in the divisional round of the postseason. From from your perspective, Josh, what did you make of what the Jaguars did this year? Well, it was impressive. I mean, we all kind of expected some sort of growth in the first season post-Urban Meyer, um, but it was really refreshing to see how they closed the season because that's really what you want to look for. When you've got a new coaching staff, uh, you're implementing new pieces on the roster. There's typically an acclimation period early in the season and you don't really have a feel for just how good that particular team is. So as the season progressed, you saw Jacksonville get a little bit more confident. 
And then they closed the season with obviously that win over the Chargers and then a very competitive game against the eventual Super Bowl champions. So you've got to feel really good about that going into this offseason. And when you look at the roster, there's still a lot of places that they could look to identify and upgrade this offseason. And if they're able to do so, then you're talking about an even higher ceiling next year. Josh, you've covered the league for a while, man. You know, look, they're going from the hunter to the hunted. I can almost guarantee you when all the preseason magazines start coming out in a few months, Jacksonville will be the overwhelming pick to win the AFC South, particularly because you got two brand new head coaches and more than likely two rookie quarterbacks in that division. We'll get to that in a little bit. But do you think there's any issue there with a team that no one talked about making noise to now a team that a lot of people are going to talk about. Any, you know, thought they might read their press clippings or anything along those lines? Uh, I don't think so, because I think when you look at Doug Peterson, he has been there before. He knows how to handle those expectations. When you look at Trevor Lawrence, those expectations were expected of him at Clemson. So when you have those type of figureheads, I think it's a lot easier to manage the expectations within the building. But you look at Tennessee, Tennessee is always going to be there. Um, Indianapolis could still be competitive d- d- dependent upon what they do at the quarterback position this offseason. So, you know, if the right moves are made, then it's going to be easy for Doug Peterson uh, during this offseason to look at his team and say, hey, you know, we may be getting all the talk right now, but there's still teams that have, um, you know, played at a really high level and still have an opportunity to knock us off this pedestal. So we have to be prepared and ready to go each week. And the amazing thing, Josh, again, Josh Edwards, CBSSports.com here with us, they made that run with their two first-round picks a year ago, not playing up to expectations, quite frankly, and Trayvon Walker and Devin Lloyd. What was your thought on them last year, and what's your thought on those two guys moving forward? Well, I think with Walker, it is kind of what we had come to expect. Uh, Obviously, a player with rare athletic traits, when you look at his size, you look at his speed, um, his strength, everything that you look for in that position. But we always knew it was going to be kind of a learning curve for him because what he did at Georgia was essentially looping situations, stunts, getting into gaps, trying to create chaos against the other team's offensive line. And now that he's in the NFL, he's asked to win by himself, win as an individual, uh, string together a pass rush plan. And that's really where he has struggled to this point. So I think the more you see him acclimate to the NFL, have his pro days, and then it was the draft. I mean, you're training for the 40-yard dash. You're training for the vertical jump. You're not training to be an NFL edge rusher. So now that he's got the draft in the rearview mirror, I'm excited to see the next step he takes. And then Devin Lloyd, I mean, he stacked the the stat sheet this season, but you can definitely see the game. It hasn't really slowed down for him quite yet. So I think the more time that he's able to get in the film room, understand what offenses are trying to do to him, it's going to come a little bit smoother to him. And then, you know, I really look for that growth in year two out of both of those guys. Josh, final Jaguar-related questions. I want to get your thoughts on the draft class, Anthony Richardson, et cetera. But when you talk about the Jaguars, a lot of talk in these parts that Evan Ingram is probably the priority. If they have to use the franchise tag, they will. But that might leave Jawan Taylor expendable because of Walker Little. And I know you studied Walker Little during his draft class. He played very well coming in for Cam Robinson last year. 
would it be as simple as Walker Little just slides out to right tackle and and there you go, or or could it be more complicated than that if Jawan Taylor were to leave? Uh, it's a little bit more complicated. I mean, it's not necessarily easy to flip from left to right tackle, but it's certainly doable over the course of the offseason. Uh, Little has, you know, great prototypical size. He's an intelligent player. So I think he's capable of making that transition, but it is going to take maybe some growing pains early in the year to fully acclimate to a new role. But uh, like you mentioned, Evan Ingram, I mean, he was obviously one of the better values uh, out of the free agent market last offseason. So um, obviously a priority for them to retain this this season. But when you look at that potential negotiation, it's also a strong draft class at the tight end position. So, you know, p- maybe that's an opportunity where you try to lock him up for a couple years with the hopes of getting a player that can eventually take over down the line. Josh Edwards, CBSSports.com, here with us on 1010XL in Jacksonville. All right, Josh, let's look ahead to the draft class. A guy you and I talked a little bit about the last time you were on was Anthony Richardson. Since then, he has obviously made it official that he is in the draft. And there is a board for Anthony Richardson. Some guys in your profession, Josh, love him. Some guys in your profession don't even have him in the first round. He's really all over the place. What's your thought on Anthony Richardson heading into this draft? It's easy to understand why he would be kind of a volatile evaluation because there's traits versus production. Uh, You look at his size, you look at the arm strength, you look at his mobility, all of that kind of stuff excites you. But he's still a relatively young player learning how to process what he sees and reacting to what he sees. So he's very much a raw prospect, but a team that is going to be able to allow him to sit and develop at his own pace, uh, I think is the best situation for him. Now, if he is in a situation where he has to play immediately, you're probably leaning on his legs early in his career as he adjusts to becoming a passer and all of the stuff that comes with being a quarterback in the NFL processing getting the ball out quickly, you know, reading defenses, all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, he's a very raw player, and that's why a lot of people are excited. But you look at the production, um, what he did against Utah was fantastic. The week after that against Kentucky, you saw his confidence waver a little bit. You saw it bounce back later in the season. That's the up and downs that come with a young player like Anthony Richardson. So it's very easy to see how – one person could fall on one end of the spectrum in terms of how they view his potential and another person being a little bit more cautious with that approach. But uh, obviously one of the more talented quarterbacks, probably the most naturally talented quarterback. And it's, it's very easy to understand why some project him inside the top 10. Josh, you alluded this earlier, the quarterback class as a whole look very likely one or two of these guys will find their way into the AFC South with Houston holding the second pick Indianapolis holding the fourth pick. So where are you with Bryce Young, with C.J. Stroud, with Will Levis? How would you assess these guys at the top of the draft? Yeah, and I'm not sure we can entirely rule out Tennessee and the viability that they take a quarterback either. So there could be a lot of quarterback movement in the AFC South this offseason. But as I look at the class, Bryce Young from Alabama is my top player. Um, He's very slight in frame. He's historically an outlier from the quarterback perspective. Uh, However, he has the intangibles that you look for from the position. He's a great leader. He's got the ability to make plays off platform. 
um, and he gets the ball out quickly. That's what you look for in the NFL today. Somebody that is almost more like a point guard, a distributor, um, you know, somebody that's not going to take those big hits and hold onto the ball too long, but still has the ability to make plays if that play breaks down. So Bryce Young is that type of player. I do have concerns with his size. Um, but to this point, his career hasn't been in, uh, you know, a detriment to his play. So for me, he's my top quarterback prospect. C.J. Stroud, what he showed in the college football playoffs, is my number two uh, quarterback prospect. Will Levis is the third, who has similar traits as Anthony Richardson. Older prospect, but a little farther along in terms of his development is in terms of processing. Uh, and then Anthony Richardson is right there at that number four spot. You know, it's hard to assess the Jaguars. In years past, you and I could very easily do that when the Jaguars had the number one pick in the draft, right, the last two years. Well, that's not the case now, as I believe they're picking 25th. I know you've done a ton of mock drafts. I see tight end being mocked to the Jaguars a lot because we don't know about Evan Ingram. I've seen um, offensive tackle being mocked to the Jaguars again because we don't know the status of Jawan Taylor. What is your thought when you look at the Jaguar roster as it sits right now, Josh, as to where they may go in round number one? Well, I would love to get one of those tight ends, but at the same time, you know, if they retain Evan Ingram, then that's less of a priority. Um, if the if Brian Brezzi, the interior defensive lineman from Clemson, were to fall that far, which I think he probably should be on the board at that point, but when you look at the traits and his potential, I can understand why he could go earlier because it's very difficult to find quality interior defensive linemen. So while the production hasn't necessarily been there, I could understand taking a, a team taking a chance on him sooner. So defensive tackle is a position I could see them leaning. I'm not entirely against them taking a, a bigger wide receiver that you know could potentially be there long term for Trevor Lawrence. Uh, as they get to, you know, try to get a little bit more cap health in that wide receiver room. Um, offensive tackle, as you mentioned, cornerback, they could possibly delve back into the cornerback well. So there's some areas on this team where they could look to upgrade this offseason. But I think that tight end position is very interesting because Evan Ingram had a fantastic season, but it also aligns with a very good tight end class in this draft class. So do you bring him back? Do you take a player that's been, you know, relatively inconsistent in his career at a big number? Or do you go get one of those young rookies in hopes that uh, he can develop and be this, you know, long-term piece for, for, for Trevor Lawrence? Well, and the bottom line is this, too. Again, I don't know if they would do it, but let's assume they do bring Evan Ingram back. What's to say they don't take a tight end as well? Because Chris Manhurts is a free agent. Dan Arnold is a free agent. They got some holes to fill in that tight end room. Dalton Kincaid out of Utah, I've seen him a lot. We obviously know Darnell Washington, the Georgia tight end. We've seen him mock to the Jags. I don't think Mayer from Notre Dame will fall that far, but he's another one. So speak to this tight end class, Josh, because like you said, it appears to be one of the better ones in quite some time. Yeah, Oregon State's Luke Musgrave. You can throw him into the mix there as well. Um, you know, a lot of guys that are probably going to be in the mix there as you get into the latter half of the first round, uh, Michael Mayer, or Michael Mayer is really interesting because he's not going to test off the charts athletically like a Kyle Pitts, you know, that has been taken in the early in the first round or even an OJ Howard, but Michael Mayer is just really consistent. What he does well, um, you know, he, he's, he's a good inline blocker. He's capable of blocking in space. 
He's a big, strong target down the field. So, I mean, it makes a lot of sense when you look at adding more weapons for Trevor Lawrence, but you could possibly add a really gifted player at that position on day two as well. So if you bring back Evan Ingram, it's less of a priority. Maybe you go get a guy in the second round, the third round, um, and develop him down the line. But really deep tight end class. I love Luke Musgrave. Dalton Kincaid's more of a pass catcher. Developing is a blocker. Darnell Washington is just a massive human being that um, is primarily a blocker at this stage of his career. But you can see the potential of him as a pass catcher because of his sheer size. So you look at the tight end class, there is every sort of body type and skill set that you that you could possibly want. Uh, so even if you retain Evan Ingram, there's a guy out there that you could possibly add as a compliment to him. Josh Edwards, CBS Sports. Dot com. Josh, final question. we got about 90 seconds left. The class as a whole, give us one or two positions you like the most and maybe one or two positions that are lacking this year. Yeah, I've touched on the tight end position. That's obviously going to be a position of strength. Um, I'm also looking at the running back position. You've got Texas's B. John Robinson at the top. You've got um, guys like Jameer Gibbs, who is – a little bit smaller than Alvin Kamara, but a similar skill set to kind of help people envision what what kind of a player he is. Uh, Dwayne McBride from UAB. You've got Kendra Miller from TCU. Um, Tank Bigsby, Zach Evans. There's a number of guys out there. Uh, interior offensive line, I think, is a position of weakness in this draft class. Uh, I don't see a lot of high-end centers or offensive guards coming out of this class unless somebody is entertained uh, by Peter Skronsk at Northwestern. If they view him more as an interior offensive line prospect, that's kind of the exception to, um, you know, this interior offensive line class in the, in the first round. But that's kind of what I'm looking at now. You've got tight end running back positions of strength. Quarterback is better than what we saw a year ago. Interior offensive line, still very much a weakness in this draft class. Josh Edwards, CBSSports.com. He pups out mock drafts on a weekly basis over there at CBS Sports. He does a great job, and we always appreciate his time here on 1010XL. Josh, enjoy the combine, free agency on the horizon. Let's maybe do this one more time before the draft in late April. Thank you, my friend. Absolutely, anytime. And thank you to my guy Brian Tapork of Bleacher Report and Forbes for joining us tonight. Here on Hacker After Dark, as the second half of the NBA season gets underway, most teams have about 24, 25 games left in their regular season, and we will see how the playoffs shake out. NBA postseason basketball begins in less than two months. Well, that'll just about put a wrap on what has been a very busy Thursday night edition of Hacker After Dark. And for Rick Ballou the rest of the week, thank you guys for hanging out with us tonight. We got a lot of people to thank, including Brian Topork again, Bleacher Report, and Forbes. Thank you to Ryan Fowler of the Draft Network. Always love talking draft with my man Ryan Fowler. Also had some very interesting thoughts on Eric Bieniemy, who has now left Kansas City to take the offensive coordinator role in Washington. And is Eric Bieniemy now the head coach in waiting if Ron Rivera is not long for that job in Washington moving forward, and Dalton Miller, Pro Football Network, always kind enough to join us here on 1010XL. We talked Arden Key, Jawan Taylor, Evan Ingram, and more, and always thank Dalton Miller for his time, again, from Pro Football Network. We will be back tomorrow night, 
and we will do it all over again on a Friday. Dylan Denmark was your producer tonight. Dylan, great job as always. I'm the hacker Ryan Green and Jacksonville. Thank you for spending part of your Thursday evening with us right here on Hacker After Dark on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. So for all of us here on HAD, have an absolutely terrific remainder of your Thursday, and we will do it all over again on a Friday beginning at 6 o'clock. Until then, good night, Jacksonville.